Hello, hello everyone. This is Heather. This is Kara. And you are listening to I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. Remix. Putting a little sauce on it. Well, I felt as though this should be special for episode 10. Yeah. Double digits. I feel like this is a special milestone. (laughs) It's special in the fact that baseball is now on television again. I cannot tell you how excited I am for any type of sport to be happening. (laughs) So you were watching it on TV and I happened to walk in the room and I noticed that the players and the bleachers, the seating of the stadium is empty, but I still heard cheers and and an empty stadium, and I was confused, and then I was like, oh, they're using a track. Well, what's interesting about the return to play mm-hmm. for baseball is that they had some training, and I loved how they called it summer camp. Yeah, why not? Like, these adult male players for Major League Baseball are, quote, going to, woo, I'm going to summer camp. <laughs> So they've officially started to play games. And as Heather mentioned, it is kind of strange for there to be almost no one Mm -hmm. in the stands. I think there's like some photographers that are like a couple rows up or maybe security to make sure someone doesn't... I mean, what a time for someone to sneak into the stadium and then streak across the field. I mean, that would be amazing. Or you just, the camera pans when someone hits a home run and there's like one guy that's out there sunbathing (laughs) in the upper deck. But yes, they are piping in sounds of cheering and they're using past season games of fans from that stadium. So the, the sound is authentic, um, but I don't know if people are going to get in trouble like how the golf channel remember there was that whole controversy where they were adding bird Mm -hmm. sounds no like and professional bird watchers and listeners were like that is not native to that area the whippoorwill doesn't live there it's a woodpecker (laughs) (laughs) but i think it helps the morale of the players to just not be hitting a ball into nothing well here's my question the players in the stadium are they even hearing it or are they only putting the track on so the viewing audience at home sees it in the control booth i don't my instinct would be that the the players don't even hear the sound it's just on the feed to the television audience but i i don't know i would hope that the announcers in the sound booth (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and or the guy who plays the organ. Yeah, yeah. I hope that they still get to be there mm. and do their job because they're up in the booth anyway. Yeah, nobody's. Yeah, they're fine. They're social distancing. Sure. Like, and and I enjoy that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Along with the seventh inning stretch. As I mentioned before, the return to baseball will be the tiny ice cream in a helmet. Yes. 
and each stadium had the helmet is the color and has the logo of the home team so in theory you you could go to each stadium and collect them all I, there are some people who do the stadium tour mm. where that's a bucket list and they go to every major stadium mm. in the u.s um i'm not that crazy of a baseball fanatic mm. but i do you're not like the philly fanatic no nor am but, i the what's the the crazy hockey oh gritty <laughs> <laughs> I just children. Oh gosh. Well, I just remember <laughs> that no when he first debuted, everybody's like, No, this is terrible. And then there was like one little kid, he was like five or six. He loved that mascot so much and so the parents, you know, put in a word at the at the hockey team and and that thing showed up with a grip of all sorts of merch with gritty on it and that kid was so excited. So you know what? Like like the old cliche says, if we make one person happy. And it's like, well, you did. <laughs> Good job. I, I'm sure they took that to a, into account when they were reviewing Gritties. We have a lot of really great mascots in San Diego. Well, why? What was the deal with the San Diego chicken? I still don't know. He even got know. in a fight with someone. No, why though? But why a San Diego? What does a chicken have to do with San Diego? And wasn't he for the Chargers or something? No. He, what he was, was he for? The Padres. He was okay because that makes more sense. Yeah, the Chargers. That'd be stupid. Well, they have Boltman. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the chicken that is for a team called the Padres, which is an old-timey Friar Tuck-like priest, the, makes the, way more sense. Yeah, the swinging Friars. And the Pod Squad. Anyway, so when I saw the, the crowd noises being put in, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, it just reminded me that, you know, in past, past times, uh, we've been lucky enough that we've been able to attend television show tapings where sitcoms were filmed in front of a live studio audience in Hollywood, California, and you could go and get tickets. They were free and sit in the audience and watch one of your favorite television shows. And it was so much fun. It was quite a drive for us, um, but still, it was worth it. And the taping was all day. Oh yeah, it was an all day event. So we, we, we get tickets and you drive up to Hollywood or Burbank to a film studio and you get in line and you have your little uh, confirmation that you requested tickets or you'd get paper tickets in the mail way, way long ago. Gosh, how many people would be in the audience? Do you think like 200 people? I would say about that. It, it's about the size of, if you've ever watched Jeopardy, and when they pan to the audience, that's about the size that you would get. Yeah, not you huge. Would be, you'd be sitting in, like, stadium sitting. Bleachers, yeah. Bleachers, risers, um, on a sound stage. Mm -hmm. So the sound stage is absolutely freezing. The AC is cranked. And the reason for that is because the lights that light the set are so hot and it's trying to keep all the cameras and everything cool so they don't explode. Um, so 
um, you get in there and it's like a meat locker. But the more time you spend in there, the temperature rises because all the equipment is humming. So it's okay. And heat rises. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you're sitting. And you're next. up in the rafters, yeah. yeah. And then you've got the entire cast and the crew, the people operating the cameras, uh, the booms, uh, the lighting, moving the sets around. Uh, so it's a big, no pun intended, production. But I've noticed that a lot of the TV shows that we watch do not have live studio audiences. Yeah, they're going more and more towards um, filming it like a movie, um, where it's just a self-contained unit. It was so fun Mm -hmm. to go to the taping because you got to experience and watch the show being filmed, and then you got to see it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd, you'd be like trying to listen for if you could distinguish which one was your laugh, which they they caught on pretty quick that if people were trying to be annoying and do a fake, really loud laugh, they'd be like, do it one more time and we're removing you. Like they weren't going to tolerate that. Like, Come on, I know this is all not real. Uh, we're trying to create a fantasy here, so we don't need you trying to muck things up i it's interesting that you point out the you, you try to listen <laughs> for your laugh or whatever and we've gone to some recent tapings uh the david spade show we've been to the late late show with james corden and when it comes on air later on my mom always says that she can hear my laugh. <laughs> and it's also interesting to see what they filmed, what you saw them film, and what actually makes the show. Things that they've kept. Because a lot of it will end up on the cutting room floor. So sitcoms, for those of you who don't know, uh, sitcom is it's a shortened, snappier slogan. What it actually means is situation comedy. And that's something like your I Love Lucy, Friends, Seinfeld, that's a sitcom. The way that they're filmed in front of a live studio audience is they have a very regimented schedule. So at the beginning of the week, um, there's the writer's room where there's the staff writers come up with a script. And then throughout the week, uh, then they have a table read with all the actors to read and see how it flows and to make any changes if they need to. Then they're going to go on the set and they're going to rehearse and set up the camera blocking so they know how they want to film it. And then there's a last dress rehearsal and to make sure the costumes are all good. And then on show day, that's when the live audiences come in and they film the entire show in sequence in front of the audience. And the reason they film it in sequence is so that the audience can have a full storytelling experience like a theatrical live play. So even if like three different scenes happen in the kitchen, 
over the course of the show, they're not going to film them all at once, which is what you would do for a film. They're going to go it in sequential order. So they're going to have to set up the cameras over and over again. But the cameras are big and they're on wheels. And so there's usually multiple cameras between three and four cameras that are on wheels. And each one has a different angle. So one is a close-up for the person who's talking. There's a medium shot that will have two or three people in the frame so they can get an honest reaction shot of them listening to the main character. And then there's the wide shot, which has pretty much the entire set in its frame. So it can have that for editing purposes. Actively filming at the same time so they don't have to redo things as much. Um, they can just film it all at the same time and then edit together how they want it to look later. So it's very fast. Um, once everything, and it, most of your time is spent, as the old saying goes, hurry up and wait, which means hurry up and get the lighting done and get you know the costume set, get your makeup done. And then hold on, hold on, a light bulb went out, hold on. But <clears throat> once everything is actually set up and ready to go, they want to keep moving because the audience gets bored. And if you wait too long, their reactions to your jokes are not going to be as good as an hour ago when they were very excited. Um, so once you get filming, it's a pretty rapid pace. Um, so it's really fun. And the actors, because they know that people have come all this way and are giving you their time for free, they want you to have a good time. And so they're very prepared. They have their lines memorized. In sitcoms, there's usually no cue cards. Um, they need to have memorized this stuff because usually they have a week to memorize things. Now, that being said, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could memorize a 30-minute th script, but I'm not, I'm not an actor, so. Well, and the other thing, when you're trying to record in front of a live studio audience and there's a joke or something that happens and the audience doesn't react the way that the writers or producers expected them to they have to go all right cut and then the writers will powwow talk rewrite it on the fly and then they'll go and tell the actors not let the audience know because they need the reaction to be genuine and then they'll okay let's go again from the top um until they get it right and i think for some actors that might be really frustrating it's not like a regular movie where it's like okay take one of scene five and keep okay cut give me more emotion and it's no if that joke didn't land oh boy mm -hmm. and i think that some actors enjoy the fact that it's from us that is in front of a live audience because they're getting immediate feedback on how they're doing and so they can adjust what they're doing instead of waiting, you know, three months or a year in a movie. Oh, 
they're going to love this part. And there's like no reaction. You're like, oh, wow. I, I, did, I had no idea nobody would like this, you know? And it's like immediate feedback. And I think what also is important about the live studio audience is, especially for sitcoms, there would be a warm-up comedian mm -hmm. where they where either somebody from the cast who was a stand-up comedian would come and do like a meet and greet um or there would be a wrangler mm -hmm. that would explain to you as the audience what they would like you to do mm -hmm. but i think the important thing to mention is that there was no light up laugh sign right there's always an a light up applause sign you know the blinking applause sign to tell you when to clap but that was like pretty much for the beginning like the intro of the show and the close of the show especially for the sitcom sitcom there's no real clapping moments unless like a huge guest star appears um normally um if like the cast enters for the very first time, they get you applause. Or they get introduced. Yeah. They introduce the cast and say, plain yeah. so-and-so is yeah. this person. And they, like, do their little wave. Mm -hmm. and the, hey, I'm on set. Hello. Thanks for coming. Yeah. But I, I always enjoyed the taping. Even though it was a long day, I felt like it was a special treat. Yeah, it was way cool. So one of the shows that we, the sitcoms that we were able to attend was the sitcom Full House. So Full House ran from 1987 to 1995. And for those of you who do not remember, uh, at the beginning of the series, Danny Tanner married Pam and they had three daughters, DJ, Stephanie, and Michelle. You got it, dude. That's right. His wife, before the series starts, we come in and his wife has recently died. Uh, she was in a car accident caused by a drunk driver, which is pretty heavy uh, to start a funny, laugh-a-minute sitcom. So the character Danny is essentially raising three children, let alone three daughters, on his own. So his two friends his friend joey gladstone and his brother-in-law jesse consopolis move in to help him deal with life and raise these young girls which michelle is a baby um so he needs a lot of help you know this is our uh introduction to john stamos it is it is so uh Jesse Kinsopoulos is played by John Stamos. Uh, Joey Gladstone is played by Dave Couillet. And Danny Tanner is Bob Saget. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of these sitcoms would cast stand-up comedians to be in these shows. Bob Saget was a stand-up comedian. I think a lot of people didn't realize... If you watched Full House as a kid and then you've seen Bob Saget stand up outside of the show, you're like, whoa, 
this is really different. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not Danny Tanner in real life. It's a character he plays. But I understand how people would be confused. Yes. But it's, I think the reason that sitcoms and uh, stand-up comedians go hand in hand is because a stand-up comedian is used to being in front of a live audience and changing on the fly based on that audience's reaction to adjust their material to get the best reaction possible. Uh, Stand-up comedian has to do with people heckling them, um, the term read the room, and that just means you, depending on what people you're standing in front of, you're going to adjust your material. So I think they're really good at that, and they thrive off the energy of a live audience. So I think their energies mesh really well. Full House, at the time, they were pulling from the f- film Three Men and a Little Baby. Uh, yes. So... Um, at that time, uh, a huge movie that had come out was starring Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, and they were three men, roommates, living in New York, and a baby gets left on their doorstep, and they, as three adult men, have to take care of this infant, which they've never had any experience with children before, and so, of course... Hilarity ensues as they try to understand how to take care of a child. And this is before YouTube. You couldn't uh, Google questions. Um, you had to kind of go and buy a book. Or call your mom. Yes. And figure out how to do it. So that was the first movie. And then the second movie, same cast, was Three Men and a Little Lady, which was just a little bit in the future where she was... Uh, a young child under 10 years old. And of course, different situations arise. Kara and I are huge fans of both those movies. We recommend that you check them out if you're so inclined. But for sure, and the, the creators of the show Full House fully acknowledge and recognize that absolutely Full House is based on the idea of the film three men and a baby except they're like let's make it instead of just one baby we'll make it three men and three children one of which happens to be a baby but But different ages but the baby is actually played by two babies correct it's the olsen twins mary kate and actually olsen are the infant michelle and they would switch out the babies because at the time uh, the laws for child labor was you can only have an infant under the hot lights for a certain amount of time. So you had to switch them in and out. I loved how OCD Danny Tanner was about the house and the chores and trying to explain to the other two grown men in the house how he would like the house kept because he has to still go to work, and not that the other, t- not that John, John Stamos and Joey Gladstone, not that they don't have jobs, they do. But so at the beginning of the series, uh, Danny Tanner actually has a job 
on the local news and he's the sportscaster for the local news. As the series goes on, he gets to become the co-host of Wake Up San Francisco, which if you don't know, um, it's a morning talk show. So it's kind of like a version modeled after uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. And as I'm saying that, I'm realizing that if you don't know who Danny Tanner is, there's no possible way you know who Regis and Kathy Lee are. So one archaic reference to explain another is not going to really help you. But um, uh, I guess a modern day reference would be uh, like Good Morning America. It's where... Kelly and Ryan. That's what the oh, show has yeah. morphed into. Because it used to be Regis and Kathy Lee. And then it was Regis and Kelly. And then it was Kelly with a carousel of co-hosts. Yeah. So to your point about how they had jobs. So Jesse Consopolis, he, Uncle Jesse, he, his day job was he was an exterminator and in a rodent insect exterminator, uh, which was a business that his father owned. So he worked for that during the day because at night he was the lead front man for a rock and roll group called Jesse and the Rippers. But as you would suspect, the band only had gigs at night. Um, so he could work at the extermination company for a couple hours in the day to help his dad. And then he could come home and help take care of the kids. And then he would go do his night job. Of course, Danny Tanner, he'd be at work the entire working day because you have to do the news. And, but Joey Gladstone, he was a stand-up comedian. So his days were free. So he was at home the bulk of the time. And so between the three of the, the three adults, they could take care of the kids. And then uh, Uncle Jesse ends up marrying Becky, who worked with, was the co-host, co-anchor for Wake Up San Francisco. Correct. When she marries Uncle Jesse, they then get pregnant and she has twins. But she still is working while she is pregnant. But once she has the kids, of course, she needs time to recover and heal. So when she goes on maternity leave, a new female co-host comes on the show and her name is Vicky. And of course, Bob Saget and she get together eventually through the series. So everybody has their own little quirk or catchphrase on yes, the show. Yes, absolutely. And so, of course, uh, Michelle says, You got it, dude, with yeah. her little stubby thumb. Yes. And uh, then... DJ Tanner, Donna Joe, who is the oldest uh, of the daughters, uh, she had a couple catchphrases which I don't think really caught on. Like if she saw something and she was astonished, she'd say, oh, my Lanta. And it's like... What an old saying. What does that mean? Is she taking my Lanta? Yeah, is she talking about the medicine or is she talking about the at Atlanta in Georgia? I never really understood that one. And Stephanie Tanner, the middle child, she said, how rude, if she didn't get her way. And we have Uncle Joey. Yes, his who, catchphrase. His catchphrase was, cut it 
Ouch. And that was uh, coupled with hand gestures to accentuate the comedy on that one. And then Uncle Jesse was all about his hair. It was very, uh, the reference was very John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Uh, so he'd be like, he'd always be brushing his hair, looking in the mirror. And if anyone ever touched his hair, which I'm with Jesse on this one, guys. I don't like people touching my hair. Who are you? Don't touch me but he would say hey hey the hair come on stuff like that he spent a lot a lot of products yes oh and if he saw a really beautiful woman he'd say "Ooh, have mercy and the way he would say it he wouldn't it was 50 50 he'd either say it directly to the woman to let her know that he was interested in her or it'd be like an internal monologue that like how they do in TV shows sometimes where you're speaking at full volume, but somehow nobody hears you. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, DJ Tanner's best friend was Kimmy Gibbler. And of course, DJ's longtime first love boyfriend was Steve. How cute. And Steve, um, the actor, he ended up working for Disney quite a lot. He was the voice in the feature film, uh, the Little Mermaid, he's Prince Eric, and he's also the voice of Aladdin. So, and, prob- and probably some other things, too. But, but yeah. most well-known for. If we're going to talk about Full House, we're going to talk about the theme song. You mean them driving in a convertible across the, the Golden, Golden Gate, Gate Bridge? Bridge? Yes, because it, this show is taking place in San Francisco. And so what we see is the cast having fun at the landmarks all around San Francisco. Each person gets their own scene to introduce themselves. So they're kind of being their, something that would exemplify what their character is all about. Doing homework. Doing, you know, the kids are doing homework. Playing with the dog. Uh, throwing the ball, um, whatever. Fixing their car. Danny Tanner cleaning a dish. Yes. And so what would happen was the actor would be involved in their activity, unaware of the camera. And then somehow, for some reason, their attention would be drawn to the camera and they'd act surprised that there was a camera. And then they'd give a a smile and a knowing nod. Hey, Uh, hey, hey, it's me. It's me. This is what I do. And they'd have the, the actor's name. So the theme song starts with shoop. When you're lost out there and you're, you're all, all alone, alone, the light is waiting to carry you home. Everywhere you look. <laughs> what harmonies, guys. Oh, man. You are getting your money's worth today, people. (laughs) What would Charlie Puth say? So that theme song was composed and written by the fantastic team of Frederick and Solovey. An unstoppable force, you guys. They wrote the theme songs for sitcoms for almost every single show featured on the TGIF comedy block on ABC. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
TGIF was legendary. On ABC, ran from 1989 to the year 2000. And it was a two-hour block of comedy, family-friendly comedy sitcoms. Now, normally, TGIF would be stand for Thank Goodness or Thank God, It's Friday. ABC flipped that a little bit, and their TGIF anagram stood for Thank Goodness, It's Funny. This comedy block was revolutionary for the rating. There was even a theme song for when the comedy block was started. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. Short, but it gets in your head and it won't go away. <laughs> That's what these guys did. That was their magic. Um, now, before we get too far away from Full House, Full House was so popular that it got Bob Saget another show on ABC, and that was America's Funniest Home Videos. He hosted that show from 1989 to 1997. And of course, you probably know that show still exists and is still running, and it's had many other hosts. Tom Bergeron. He recently said, I'm not doing this anymore. And um, Alfonso Ribeiro is now of Fresh Prince fame, uh, Carlton. He now hosts it. Yeah. So it's still going strong. Um, But Bob Saget was the first uh, host, and he would do voiceovers. He'd do a little stand-up comedy monologue in the beginning. Of course, family-friendly. And then each clip that they would show he would do a voiceover where he would make little comments and if there was an animal in the video he would often make a little cartoon voice of that animal and have its inner monologue there was also there's also a theme song you're the red white and blue all the funny things you do america america this is you Big fish with the horns. Always with the horns. Yeah. Big fans. Yeah. There's also a spinoff from Full House, which some people might be familiar with. On Netflix is Fuller House. Yes, correct. And that chronicles the current living situation of the children, uh, DJ Stephanie, not Michelle, because the Olsen twins... Said no thank you. Said no thank you, which is fine. That is their choice. Um, But Kimmy Gibbler uh, character is in there as well. Um, Bob Saget, Dave Couillet, and John Stamos also made appearances in the first episode. To transition and hand everything off. Yes, because now DJ Tanner has children of her own. And that's what the the, um, New new show is based on. But Kara, do you remember... That America's Funniest Home Videos had a spinoff. Was it with animals? Um, sometimes, but it was called America's Funniest People, and it was immediately after America's Funniest Home Videos, so it was essentially a double dose. America's Funniest People was hosted by Dave Couillet, Uncle Joey, and it went from 1990 to 1994. And Dave Couillet's show was kind of similar 
but it was people who would who would create elaborate pranks or skits or stand up things that were made funny on purpose and that you could submit yourself that way and Dave Couillet had a running skit that he would do where he would, he would voice an animal and this animal would comically attack or prank people. Do you remember what that character was? No. His name was Tiny the Jackalope. Oh boy. And he was a little taxidermy jackrabbit that had antelope horns. Is that where we get the term and why we call people jackalopes? Yes, because he's a jerk. And we don't like people who... He like headbutts people or plays funny jokes on them. Oh. And that is where you guys were experiencing an origin story right now. Because Kara, <laughs> on a daily basis, if someone is being a jerk, because why are you being such a jackalope? And I don't think she remembers. <laughs> no! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh! There are many people out there in, in the podcast land that are like, yes, I've gotten many a text. We're like, these jackalopes over here because I can't say the other word that I want to, which is a donkey. I, you know, I can't say that in front of children. So I say, oh, these jackalopes. And he would use the voice that he would use no for, for Mr. Woodchuck, his character when he was... Ranger Joe. Oh. Yes. Ah, that's what he... Oh. That's what he... He he used that. Good for him. I know. Good times. Good for him. Good times. Good times. Um, so... TGIF... TGIF... Was a block of programming specifically... For the family. For families. Because you're going to be home on a Friday night. So you got to keep entertained so it would be four shows so each a half hour and at the end of the block you knew it was over when 2020 with huge hounds and barbara walters began you're like oh party's over this is 2020, 2020. and there's a supercut of barbara walters on 2020 saying this is 2020 that someone made uh for new year's eve of 2020 i think it's like really long because she said it at the beginning of every show do we know what 2020 actually stood for well i think i did not do any research but my guess is that um it's called 2020 because there's that old um phrase that says hindsight is 2020 which means once something has happened and you look back at the whole entire situation because you now have all the information you clearly see what you should have done i.e perfect vision is 2020 but isn't can't you have more than perfect vision i guess 1620 1820 i i i suppose that's possible but didn't barbara walter is that have... is that what hawkeye has oh with his little archer archer's bow and Katniss Everdeen? Oh, maybe. You know, she always gets the squirrel right in the eye. Right in the eye. Oh, boy. 
But didn't Barbara Walters wear glasses? So her, uh, she herself did not have twenty twenty I mean, vision. I guess eventually, but I don't. Rem- in my mind's eye, I don't. At the time, I don't remember her wearing glasses. No. But you know, um, before Twitter, a tweet was something that Barbara Walters would give her little Pomeranian. <laughs> it's a tweet. I do a little tweet. Um, I think that joke is from uh, Jimmy Kimmel when he did the White House correspondence there. But still, it's cute. (laughs) A little snack roll? Yes. Over the course of TGIF, its run, there was about nine different sitcoms that were in the rotation um, that were moved in, moved out. Um, So there was a lot of moving and shaking going on. But one of the shows that actually, uh, the show actually started in 86, but it was moved to be part of the um, TGIF block in um, 89 when it was started up was the sitcom Perfect Strangers. So Perfect Strangers ran from 1986 to 1993. I love this show. I think it's so fantastic. Uh, So what it was, was it followed the life of the two main characters, uh, Larry Appleton and his distant cousin, Balky Bartokamus. Larry was a Wisconsin native from a large family. He had eight siblings. So he moved to Chicago to live on his own for the very first time. Once getting there, he's very excited to get his life started when all of a sudden... His long-lost cousin, Balky, shows up to America from his Mediterranean island, Mepos. And Larry, being a nice guy, lets him move in temporarily. But of course, they end up living together pretty much till the show's end. Um, So Larry is very uptight and Balky is very naive and very sweet and he loves life so the two of them are good for each other and they just get in all sorts of different shenanigans uh when balky comes to live in america larry is working at a discount store which he gets balky a job uh eventually larry gets his job as a reporter at a newspaper balky gets a job in the mailroom because they're always hiring in the, the mailroom. Mail and so then eventually uh, Balky gets a job as writing a cartoon strip. And Larry goes between um, being a reporter and a staff photographer. And doesn't Cousin Balky have an accent? Well, yes, he's from Mepos. So Larry Appleton is, is played by the actor Mark Lynn Baker who has gone on to do Broadway and theatrical um, things in his career. Balky um, is played by Bronson Pinchot, who before this TV show, he was in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2 as the gallery owner. So he's very much playing that character, just a little more gentler and more naive. But he's doing that vague accent which he's so fantastic at and 
doesn't he always kind of get the catchphrases or words of encouragement incorrect? Yes. So everything is just slightly off. He speaks English great. He understand. he's aware of pop culture and references, but it's just slightly off. So when I was looking this up, there's a phrase that I will use in my day-to-day life. Like if the situation calls for you to say, well, don't keep me in suspense. Often I will say as a joke, I will say, well, don't keep me in suspenders. And I found out today, um, that's something that Balky says all the time. That's where I got it from. The other thing is like, uh, there's the catchphrase, uh, you know, there, you know, there's the phrase, I wash my hands of this situation. Balky would say, I wash my face of this whole thing. So he's so cute. And he, uh, Balky's other catchphrase that he would say all the time is, well, of course, not don't be ridiculous. Or he would say, we are so happy. We do the dance of joy. And then he would do like a little clog dance or a little jig. It's very elaborate. You can look it up. I know how much Heather loves, loves this show. Oh my gosh, you guys. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Yes. It's streaming on Hulu, So pretty much every single show that was on TGIF is now available streaming on Hulu because they were made at Warner Brothers Studio. All these shows that we're going to mention, they were filmed on the same lot. And that also facilitated a lot of crossovers between the different shows. Before we move on for Perfect Strangers um, and talk about the crossovers. We have another fantastic intro. Theme song. Theme song. So the Perfect Strangers, again, the theme song is written and performed by the songwriting team, Frederick and Salovey. And this theme song, if this doesn't inspire you that life is worth living and that anything is possible, you guys, come on. So the visual is showing Larry, Cousin and Larry, and Balky their separate journeys and how they came together and where they're going. The rain and thunder, the wind and haze, I'm bound for better days. Cause it's my life, my dream, and nothing's gonna stop me now. Harmonica solo, synthesizer, synthesizer, boo woo. I'll let you marinate in that. The full theme of that lasts 90 seconds and you're gonna want to live in it what perfect strangers also gave us other than the fantastic balky bartakamus and unstoppable cousin larry is it gave us family matters what you say what are you talking about family matters is its own thing it's its own entity um no it's not you guys um the characters of Carl Winslow and Harriet Winslow were characters on Perfect Strangers. So in the Chronicle newspaper building, Harriet was the elevator operator and her husband, 
Carl, who worked on the police force, would come and visit her at work from time to time. And that's how they were introduced. The characters had, they felt the characters, quote, had legs and they could support their own show. So in 1989, Family Matters was born. And again, it had a fantastic theme song written by Jesse Frederick and Bennett Salovey called Days Go By. We start with a scenic view of Chicago, establishing where our series will be taking place. We fly over the suburbs and we go into the house of the Winslows and one by one, we are introduced to each character. As days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. Piano, 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 finish. <laughs> so these two shows were my introduction of what Chicago looked like. Mm-hmm. I have still yet to visit Chicago mm. and take that architecture tour, mm. the riverboat cruise. But it looked like a fun city to visit. Yeah. Family Matters cell is centered on the Winslow household, which of course was Carl Winslow, played by Reginald Vell Johnson. And doesn't he play a police officer in Die Hard? Absolutely. He also plays a police officer in Ghostbusters. When um, the Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, they all get uh, placed in a holding cell for a little bit. Reginald is one of the cops running the jail. Oh. Yeah. He's <laughs> trusted. He's a trusted uh, law official. Was he sure. buying Twinkies in, in, in all of them? I don't think so. I think that was just um, in, in Die, Die Hard, Hard, and they were not for him. They were for his pregnant wife. Do you think it was for... Uh... Harriet? Yeah. It's entirely possible. Because they had kids. They did. They had, uh, they had three children. Uh, they had Eddie, Laura, and Judy. Carl's mother, Estelle, or Mother Winslow, also lives with them. And then Harriet's sister, Rachel, and her son, Richie, also live in the house. So despite it being called family matters, you could also argue that they were a full house. What the show is about their family and their day-to-day -day issues. And of course, next door... They have a neighbor. Oh no. Who is Stephen Q. Urkel. The Q stands for Quincy, in case you were wondering. And uh, yeah, he is played by Jaleel White. Did I do that? Mm hmm. And he wore glasses, uh, high water pants, suspenders, and he drove like a egg shaped single door car yes uh the isetta and i just know that the daughter just thought he was the most well actually the whole winslow family thought that he was the most annoying child mm -hmm. on the planet and it's like why are you here well mo i think i believe mother winslow estelle she was the nicest to him but she was the a grandmother figure so it would make sense that she would be nice 
and most of the time he was just he was just all up in their business it was just like oh my gosh can we have a little bit of space but he was in love with Laura Winslow and so actually the the role the character of Steve was written for one episode and he was gonna in the episode is called Laura's first date he declares his love he has a crush on Laura she is not interested but he that character again the live studio audience had such a reaction to his performance and thought he was so funny and so great and the ratings told the story that the audience at home as well really connected with this character and instead of being in just one episode and disappearing from that day forward to the end of the run of the series Jaleel White aka Steve Urkel was in every single episode and didn't he do a guest spot on another show well he did a guest spot on several um that's where we come in with the crossover um so he made an appearance on full house where he as the character steve urkel met with the middle child stephanie because stephanie got eyeglasses and so his character was brought in to make her feel more confident about wearing eyeglasses in her day-to-day life. And then he also made an appearance on the TV show Step by Step, where he talked with the second youngest son about giving advice about how to be confident at a school dance, um, which I don't really remember the circumstances of that. I think it's perhaps because at that time there was a episode on family matters which gave rise to something called do the urkel which was a dance craze i thought it was because maybe urkel had the dr jackal mr hyde where he turned into like the nutty professor to win win over laura yes so what you're referring to is stefan urkel which is his alter ego, who is uh, suave, debonair, and very cool. No, he did not appear as Stefan Urkel on any crossovers. Uh, He was just being himself, uh, a.k.a. um, regular Steve. But to your point, the episode, it, it was in season five that the character of Stefan Urkel makes his first appearance. And it was very much... Uh, a takeoff of the Nutty Professor films uh, where Urkel uh, devises a plan to win over Laura's heart. He tr- uses his DNA to transform it, put, him in a, put it in a serum, which will suppress his uncool nerd genes and amplify his inherent cool oh boy. genes. So he drinks serum, you know, Jekyll and Hyde style. He becomes Stefan Urkel, where he's wearing normal clothes. Um, he is not wearing glasses. And he's talking in a low, slow voice. And doesn't she be like, oh my gosh. Yes. And just totally like falls head over heels, which I'm like, 
wait a minute, how shallow are you? Well, that's the thing. So what happens is Steve Urkel's character, he has eventually gets a girlfriend just by being himself. And the character's name is Myra Monkhouse. And she's a very cute, very little, petite little thing. And she's kind of quirky herself, but she really likes him just the way he is. So when he becomes this alter ego, she is not happy about it at all. So that's a whole nother thing that's full of tension. But doesn't Laura have confidence? I mean, she's a cheerleader. She, Laura, the character of Laura is extremely confident and outspoken and sure of herself. And she is a cheerleader. So she, when she tries out for the cheer team, she has all these ideas of different cheers and she writes cheers and makes things up, comes up with dance moves. And the head cheerleader, the captain, is very threatened by this and will not As she should be. will not listen to anything. Not listen to any of the suggestions that Laura has. And this all comes to a boiling point when they are the cheer squad is at a basketball game. Now the the school's <laughs> the school, their high school mascot is the muskrats. Why that is, I'm sure someone could tell us, but anyway, there it is. So they are sitting on the sidelines at the ba- indoor basketball game, and they are losing. And so the head cheer captain, uh, Laura's like, we need to cheer and give the, the team encouragement. And the cheer captain basically says, these guys are losers. They don't deserve us Aww. using our energy to cheer. Which is like, that's harsh. You're a cheerleader. You do the cheers whether we are winning or whether we are losing. That so, is your job. So Laura thinks that isn't right. And so she takes it upon herself to be a one-woman cheer squad. And she leads the crowd in a cheer that she has written herself. And the crowd is totally behind her. And that cheer... Is it the perfect cheer? It is for Laura. You don't want none of us. Do ya, do ya, do ya, do ya, do ya, do ya. No, I don't think so. Cue hair whip. She brings the heat. She's so great. I love the character of Laura. And then the older brother is Eddie. He's very into sports. He loves his car. He's an all-around dude. And he, his best friend is Waldo Geraldo Faldo. That's his, for, his full name. And he's, he's a goofball, but lovable. So Family Matters kind of starts to develop a core format. Moms need to follow when they are getting additional seasons. Yes, so because they're on ABC and they're in this group of TGIF um, or a family sitcom, there are certain themes that they have to hit over the run of their series. And that would be there has to be uh, and involves uh, kids of school age. You have to do uh, one about how to deal with bullies, anti drinking, anti-drug. There has to be a prom episode or a dance, but most often it's prom or junior prom because those are a bigger deal. 
And then they have to go to some sort of camping or ice fishing episode. Yes. Be- they got to show the hilarity. Stranded of- in the wilderness. Or trying to set up a tent. Yeah. Or set up a fire. Carrying firewood. Mm-hmm. Um, there always has to... Oh, someone got lost in the woods with the flashlight and the scary stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because it's on ABC, which is associated with the Disney company, the entire cast um there's a scripted episode of them as the characters experiencing either disneyland or disney world perfect strangers did not adhere to most of these things um they did not go to disney but that i think that was because they were both their series began before becoming part of the tgif block but um for the other shows that we're going to talk about, they had they did all of these. Um, pretty much any sh- any sitcom, even when TGIF ended, they all have to go to either Disneyland or Walt Disney World to s- film a scripted adventure. And I know for sure Full House went to Walt Disney World, and they had a whole script about how Michelle was voted princess for the princess of the park. For the day, which to my knowledge was never has never been a thing. You could but be the the grand marshal. I think that's what they it was kind of like being a grand marshal, but they they used I believe they used that to show like all the things that are new and exciting at the park. So they were showing like the Disney character breakfast. Um, they're showing the parades, all of the, the different things that you could see. I know they featured. Uh, did it heavily featured um, the at the time the new Indiana Jones Live uh, stage production that was at Walt Disney World. The stunt show. Yes, that was that was a big feature. I remember in that episode. Which is a great stunt show. Yeah, it looked great. I've seen it. Yeah, it was very cool. It's great, the big ball. The Family one. Matters. Um, they they also went to Florida. The one format show that makes no sense to you or I Uh and I have seen the CW which used to be the WB Mm -hmm. which used to be Warner Brothers they still adhere to this format today of the black and white film noir episode and I when I see the previews on TV for that and I say to that no thank you so we have no idea why this came to be. I couldn't find any information. So if you can find information, please tell me. So they either start the episode where someone falls asleep or someone gets hit in the head. And so we are, trans- as an audience, we are transported into a dream, fantasy, fade, glossy, Vaseline lens. And we go from the modern day of what we are currently living to everything is in a black and white filter and everyone is dressed as if they're in a 1940s detective movie. Like a Dick Tracy. Yes, uh, a Humphrey Bogart-esque era. And the person who fell asleep or got knocked in the head at the beginning of the show is usually the main character and is like the detective who's trying to solve a mystery. And the entire normal cast is still in the show, but they're not being themselves. 
there being a 1940s character of some sort. And I don't know why this happens, but it happened in every single show. I know, Just to break up the pace, I guess. I know for a fact that Supernatural, which was on the CW, they've done multiple they've been on for 15 seasons so i will give them a pass sometimes you just gotta jump the shark uh i know riverdale has done it really okay yes okay but it's always kind of filmed in a dark lens yeah so well if they're like you know slicking back their hair and the girls the women's hair are like in victory curls um you know everyone's wearing a fedora and a trench coat yeah and they're talking like like they're in um, His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday, talking really fast and snappy. Or they're talking like Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, see? Meh. No It makes no sense. No, and it's and then the, the episode before this happens, and the episode ha- after it happens, no one talks about it, ever. It's just, just there. It's a one of. And you're just like, huh, okay. And sometimes this has been added it wasn't in the original core list, but this gets thrown in the mix sometimes. Is the musical episode. Sometimes there's a musical episode. Sometimes there's a in the distant future episode where, you know, the the characters all have old person makeup on. Oh boy. I, oh boy. I know Full House did one of that where it was actually pretty funny where the the you know, Joey and uh, Jesse and um, Danny had old man makeup, and the three girls were just played by adult women um, <laughs> because they're like, I'm not gonna, no, just get, you know, adult women that we're never gonna see again be the characters. And so, this, the woman who was playing Michelle, like, you know, being like 20 years old, was like, You got it, dude. And they're like, Nobody thinks that's cute. It was pretty funny. But, um, yeah. Weird, weird stuff. Weird formats. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about visiting theme parks. Step by step. Which the theme in intro is at the legendary Bush Gardens. Yes. So um, step by step ran from 1991 to 1998. And the opening theme uh, has a helicopter shot because there were no drones in that day you had to rent a chopper and go up in the air and hold on for dear life to that camera and lean out the side and get the shot and don't move don't stop shaking steady either either shaking from terror or shaking from the rotor blades (laughs) i mean let's show some appreciation to the old school camera guy or camera woman the grips there's a whole thing about grips versus camera and they're very different and i would get in trouble for that not knowing the difference when i was on set and i just don't want to relive that right now but thank you um but let's give a shout out to the the, crew the cameramen the camera women and all the people who were involved in filming hanging outside a helicopter trying to get the overhead shot you guys are amazing but again, the intro with the theme song had all the characters introduced. They're all playing, either throwing balls, hitting milk bottles, 
or they're eating ice cream and the ice cream falls on the ground. Yes. Or they're getting a balloon. Yes. Or something like that. Yes. They're having a great time. They're having a great time. Again, same songwriting team. And you see the the big wide shot of the roller coaster. And then before GoPro, GoPro style, um, you are put in the front seat of the roller coaster. You're, so you're seeing what you would see if you were riding the roller coaster in the front seat. And so you're going click, 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 click up to the top. You look down and you see how far you're going to fall. And then the chain lets go and you go careening down this roller coaster ride. And that's when the music starts. The deeper we fall, the stronger we say. And we'll, we'll be, be better, better the second time around. Yeah, big finish. As the, th- as the theme song sets up, the story is based, based on the life of Frank and Carol. They are single parents. Each one has three children. So it's kind of a reboot or a reimagining of the Brady Bunch. Um, so Frank has two sons and a daughter. Carol has two daughters and a son. Frank and Carol get married and they have to become a blended family. So Carol has a house, they each have their own home, but Carol uh, runs her hair salon business out of her house. So they decide that everyone should move in to her house because Frank is a contractor, um, which obviously has nothing to do with his dwelling. So it just makes more sense for them to move into her house. Uh, I wasn't really invested in any of the kids. No. I was invested the distant relative that would come to hang out in the van. So that was Cody. Cody Lambert was played by Sasha Mitchell. And he is Frank's nephew who lives in the driveway. He appeared from time to time during the first season. And then by the second season, he was so popular that he became a main character. He had a just very striking looking crew cut hairstyle and spoke with a valley accent. Riding the same wave of Keanu Reeves' character from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But again... When the audience tells you that they love a character, you got to keep writing them in the script. Yeah. And so his accent would make you, and the way he speaks would kind of think that, make you think that he's dumb. But even though he spoke with that cadence, he would often surprise people with his very deep and mature way of thinking. So it was like kind of a switcheroo. But I remember there was one son with glasses. Okay, so that's Mark. And that would be... Uh, oh, by the way, I don't think we mentioned. Um, Frank Lambert is oh. played by legendary soap <laughs> star Patrick Duffy. And, of course, Three's Company legend Suzanne Summers as Carol. I mean, like you said, they were the stars of the show. Even though the kids, I mean, there are a lot, oh, let's face it, there are a lot of kids on that show. Um, Patrick Duffy and Suzanne Summers was why people were tuning in. They were so great and so charming. 
so the kid with glasses was Mark. Mark. And he also had um, some starry roles in the Beethoven films, the dog movies. He was in those. Good for him. He's getting work. <laughs> he was very into computers and academics. He was very shy. I don't remember the names of the other kids. Carol Foster, uh, Suzanne Summers. She had uh, Dana, which was her oldest girl, and she was a blonde, and she was very smart. And then there was Karen. Uh, she was the middle child. She wants to be a model. Um, she's portrayed as being very vain, but not very bright. Uh, she ha she's a brunette. She's all about hair, fashion, and that sort of thing. Frank Lambert, uh, Patrick Duffy, his uh, children are JT, who is the oldest boy. He's a slacker. He likes sports. He's academically challenged, but in a future episode, uh, it is revealed that he actually has dyslexia. And so that was a very special episode where he gets diagnosed with dyslexia, and then they explore how they can help him learn in a different way and help him have an easier time as he continues in life, which is a great thing to help destigmatize that problem, which I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like today, if somebody says they have dyslexia, I don't think you think any, any less of that person. They just learn in a different way. Um, but at the time, I don't think it was as known. And then uh, the middle girl is Al, a.k.a. Alicia, and she is t kind of a tomboy um, because she's been raised in a house uh, full of boys, so she loves sports, um, but she's really great at sports, and she doesn't like Carol, a.k.a. Um, Suzanne Summers at first because she's used to being the only girl, and so she feels threatened, but eventually they become more friendly, and they really learn to love each other, which is great. And then the youngest is Brendan, <laughs> and he's the youngest child, and he's just a sweet little guy. Now, as we talked about before, crossovers. So all these, all these shows were filmed on the same lot on Warner Brothers. So if you were not a main character, and you were kind of a fringe character where you would come in every once in a while, you might pick up some work on a neighboring sitcom and you wouldn't necessarily play the same character. And that was true for uh, the actor Jason Marsden. And he would play the role of Rich, who was JT's best friend. And he was both de depicted as, you know, a slacker, just a little goofball uh, to hang out with JT. But he also had a role on Full House as one of DJ's boyfriends. And he, when he was on Full House, he was, uh, his character was uh, very wealthy and very smart because he, you could tell that because he wore eyeglasses and a turtleneck, sometimes with a fashionable vest. So you knew he was of the upper crust. And the actor, J Jason Marsden, I like him. I remember seeing him on the show. I liked him 
so much. And he also did a lot of voiceover work for Disney. He played Goofy's son, Max, in both the Goofy movie and the TV show, The Goof Troop, and probably a lot of other things too. But he was so great. And for me, he had a very uh, Davy Jones of the monkeys vibe. To add to your point of, again, reminding everybody that all of these shows are filmed on the same backlot. When when they are not on set, you gotta eat somewhere. Mm -hmm. Guess where you gotta eat? The commissary. You gotta eat at the commissary. Guys, when we went to the taping and filming on the backlot, and they let us roam free instead of showing us the exits, we're like, hey, let's go get a snack. Let's go get a bite to eat. Hey, there's some food. So we get in line and cafeteria style. And all of a sudden we look at the tables. Guess who's eating at the commissary? Oh, the cast of Family Matters. We We didn't know that we couldn't eat there. No, there was Laura. There was Waldo. There was Jaleel. uh, Jaleel. There was Richie. Gang's all here. And then when we were asked for our passes, we're like, what? Just swipe your pass and that'll pay for your food. Because you're on the clock. And we're like, oh, no, 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 we're just here. Watching the taping. And they're like, oh. You're not allowed to be here. No, you need to leave. And we're like, oh. So we had to leave without our food. Yeah. That was all right. We get to see everybody. That was cool. <laughs> um, so if, we're, if we see people hanging out, you know who I want to hang out with? Cooper. Give it up. Give it up. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. He's your favorite former NBA player and high school basketball coach. Played by stand-up comedian Mark Curry. Hanging with Mr. Cooper ran from 1992 to 1997. Now, their theme, his theme song was actually sung by the group In Vogue. Wow. Which explains why it's so good. Mark Cooper, who is a former NBA basketball player for... The Golden State Warriors, after he gets a job as a substitute teacher, being the PE teacher at Oak Bridge High School, and he also becomes the basketball coach there for the Penguins, who yes. is their mascot. Great mascot. And then he lives, at the beginning of the series, because he's just lost his job with the NBA, he moves in with his friend, childhood friend, who is played by Holly Robinson Pete, and then her roommate. He moves in with them. And a lot of the situations that he gets in at school as a teacher and as a basketball coach, looking back on that now, I relate to a lot of those situations, and his reactions are so genuine. The facial expressions and... The fact that you know that he tries to hold back the profanity <laughs> and oh, so exasperated. Like, it, it's it's hilarious. I love it. It's great. If you have never seen that show or have never even heard of it, I encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, go jump on Hulu. I believe it is streaming right now. The next show that we're going to go to 
in TGIF land is Boy Meets World. I'm going to stop you there. And I know that there are many of my friends who were obsessed with this show. That it is their heart and soul. It is my generation of Wonder Years. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned Wonder Years because the main character, Corey, is played by Ben Savage, who is the real-life younger brother of Fred Savage, who was the star of Wonder Years during the 80s. You mean they're keeping it all in the family? Oh, my. But um bum bum but Boy Meets World uh, ran from 1993 to 2000. And then after Boy Meets World was Girl Meets World. Yes, that's the new series where you are following the life and times of adult uh, Corey and adult Topanga who now have children of their own. And it follows their children's adventures. Um, so the original Boy Meets World chronicles the everyday life and events of Corey Matthews, and it also stars his teacher, uh, the character George Feeney, Corey's best friend Sean, and Corey's older brother Eric. So George Feeney is played by the fabulous William Daniels, who plays um, their school teacher and eventually their high school principal, uh, but he is also lives next door to Corey, Corey's family home right next door is Mr. Feeney, which most people will be like, what a nightmare. You're at school all day and you come home and he's right there. And he, 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 and he's just on the other side of the fence, which is a low picket fence, not a high fence, like in home improvement with Wilson, but it's kind of a Wilson vibe because he's always offering advice. Feeny! Yeah. So it, the older brother, Eric, cracks me up. So he is played by actor Will Friedell. And I think Will Friedell has been on point since day one. Severely underrated. He's so great. Eric Matthews, he's sometimes characterized as not the smartest, kind of ditzy, wild and crazy. Just think he's very enthusiastic and loves life and wants to go on adventures and just tells you like it is. I know that Heather has a favorite episode of not only this character, but of Boy Meets World. Over the course of the series, so it begins when um, Corey and Sean are in sixth grade. That is the timeline that we're going with. They are in the sixth grade and then they go to high school and then we even follow them to college. So this covers the whole gamut of important moments in a person's life. So it's an episode when it's the college years. And again, this is a theme, themed episode where they go and look into the distant future. So most of this episode is a fantasy sequence. And the story, one of the storylines in this future fantasy episode is that Eric, the older brother, 
has just lost it. He has cut all ties with society, disavowed all he has and all he knows, and has decided to become a hermit living in the woods. So towards the end of the episode, you haven't heard, seen him the whole time. Everybody's been talking about how he's been missing. And he shows up looking like Gandalf, wearing robes, having a walking stick and a beard, fake beard down to the floor. And he, <laughs> people go, oh my gosh, Eric, where you been? He goes, I, I no longer answer to that name. I have taken a new name. I will be, o I will only answer to the name plays with squirrels. Yeah, Talk so some sense into him. so pretty much. But what's funny is, unlike you said earlier, Eric would often go to Mister Feeney, where where Corey was annoyed sometimes when Feeney would give unsolicited advice. Eric would actually go. He would seek it. He out. would seek Mister Feeney and ask for advice. And so in this episode, he makes reference where everybody's looking, trying to get Mister and. Eric goes, oh, no, 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 no need. And he puts his hands like he's going to make a bird call. And he goes, Feeny, Feeny, Feeny. And Mr. Feeny appears. <laughs> so Mr. Feeny's trying to talk sense to him. And, and Eric reveals that he has no need for advice anymore. He has collected all the knowledge he needs and presents a large book, a journal, which he has titled Me Manifesto, also known as The Secret of Life. And he reveals that he hands it to Feeney and tells, no, 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 read it, read it. And so Feeney opens it and there's only one line written in the entire manifesto and it says, lose one friend, lose all friends, lose yourself. And then he says, I didn't write anything else because nothing else seemed important. To which the in-studio audience goes, oh. <laughs> so Mr. Feeney, Indeed agrees that he is wise beyond anything he could tell him. And Mr. Feeney shakes his hand and says, You were always one of my most interesting students, Mr. Squirrels. <laughs> I, the one thing that I really loved about Boy Meets World, and I think as I get older and now that I'm a teacher, that there are students that you know that you made an impact on and I know that Mr. Feeney always referred to all of his students by their last names. Yes, Mr. or Miss, yeah. And I have come to realize that I do the exact same thing. <laughs> I don't, all my teacher friends, I don't refer to them as their, for, by their first name. It's always their last name. 
to this day, if I even start to think about the episode where they say goodbye to Mr. Feeney, I will get very upset and very <laughs> emotional. But you really cared about these characters that you grew up with them. So you have this wonderful bromance relationship between Sean and Corey. Yeah, they're best friends. And they're kind of opposites because Corey is very average. Um, just he gets frustrated easy, but he's smart. Um, he wants to be cool. Uh, he tries his hardest to be one of the crowd. And then Sean, uh, last name Hunter, played by Ryder Strong, um, he just is cool. He's got great hair. He looks cool. He dresses cool. His family life is not stable at all, but he's naturally funny and sarcastic. And people, he just epitomizes the cool kid. Um, and he doesn't necessarily want to be cool. He doesn't want to be popular, which frustrates Corey because he doesn't care about being cool and that automatically makes him cool. And that just frustrates Corey to no end. But they care about each other and they are really good friends. And then Topanga is very, like, free-spirited. Yes, her, her parents are hippies. They, she believes in meditation, uh, organics, recycling, um, just very free and of nature. At the beginning of the series, when they're first introduced, um, of course, Corey and Sean think she's so weird. And her only friend is Minkus, um, who's the oh little my the little nerd boy, uh, because he's really smart. And he knows that Topanga is really smart. So they gravitate toward each other. And those two are pretty much friends. And then um, as the series goes on, Topanga gets absorbed into the friendship group of Corey and Sean. And then as years go on, of course, Corey and Topanga become dating and then boyfriend and girlfriend, culminating in the gra high school graduation episode where Topanga and Corey are going to go to different colleges and they're not going to really see each other anymore. And Topanga proposes marriage to Corey at their high school graduation and they become engaged. And that, and if you're hearing this for the first time, you might be like, what? Why, why would you do that? Why, why is this happening? So at the time, that was controversial. Um, the studio, when the studio got the script of that idea, the studio was absolutely against it. They're like, absolutely not. We are not doing that. And so the writers were like, no, if you look at the trajectory of these characters, where they've been, and where they're going, we feel like that this makes sense for the storyline. If you have been invested, like our audience, who has been here since season one and has been living with these characters and caring about them, this makes sense because we're renewed for a next season. And we feel like this storyline makes sense and it's going to bear fruit in what we can write about. 
Um, they're going to be going to college, so we can write about their first year of college, their first year of living away from home, and we can also put in the mix that they're newlyweds. So that's a lot of story that we can cover. And so the studio goes, we're not comfortable with that. People are going to be outraged. And this, the writer said, okay, let's put up an internet poll. So it was like really early in the internet. And they go, let's put out a poll to our viewers and say, this is what we're proposing. No, uh-huh. no pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh, give us your feedback. Is this something that you think is okay, Ex- acceptable, acceptable. Or, or we should scrap it? And overwhelmingly, the viewer said, yes. This, we, are, uh, we are on board. This makes sense. And so the studio said, okay. And so they did that. And um, that's how the series went. And then they got the spinoff. And now they have the spinoff, Girl Meets World, which is Topanga and Corey are married and they have children and we follow their adventures. I feel as though we also have to make a special uh, mention of Matthew Lawrence being on the show as well. Yes. I love Matthew Lawrence and he is playing uh, Sean's half-brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's playing the character Jack, uh, who is Sean's long lost half brother. And you guys, uh, I really, I mean, it's been a while since I saw the show. So I went to research how exactly they explained that they were, how were they half brothers was they had the same father, they had the same mother. And I got inconclusive answers so i'm sure they spelled it out on the show but just for the internet um there was nobody that was writing off a family tree of this show (laughs) so either they either sean and jack have the same mother or the same father but i also found that spoiler alert towards the end of the series sean receives a letter from his mother confessing that she is not his biological parent. Oh boy. And she What a twist. And he tries to find his mother and he never finds her. So there's a lot going on. I mean, this Sean character, there's a lot of tragedy in his life. But so anyway. But I mean, Sean goes through a lot because Jonathan Turner, who's <laughs> the cool teacher, yes, he ends up pretty much fostering yeah. slash adopting Sean. And the reason... I don't know if that would really fly nowadays. Um, So he's the cool teacher because he drives a motorcycle and he wears a jacket, leather jacket. Um, so And he wears a button-down denim shirt with a tie. Oh, my So gosh. that's how, how you know he's cool. How 90s. He's so that? great. But oh. um, so, yeah, that, that feeds back into that. It's like, I was like, why... Why did that happen? So what happened, what I was able to remember and go back and see is what happens is Sean is living with his parents and his mother, he comes home and his mother is just gone. No, 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 nothing. She just straight up abandons uh, Sean and his father. So his dad decides he's going to go try and find her and abandons Sean essentially leaves him at Corey's house and never comes back 
So Corey's parents try to take care of Sean for a while, but it's just, he's very upset and they just, his lifestyle and their lifestyle just don't really jive. Because, because Corey has a younger sister. Named Morgan. Yeah. And she wants all the attention. And so it's a whole thing. They've got three kids in the house already. Yeah. Plus taking on Sean. That's, that's That's a a lot. lot. So it's the family dynamic in that show is dare i say a bit almost overwhelmingly too real <laughs> as it, because they were like we can't do this yeah. we got to find another situation for you so that's where um mr turner motorcycle leather jacket teacher earlier when his character comes in he has an understanding of what sean is going through he grew up in similar circumstances so he kind of understands emotionally where Sean is coming from. So he offers to essentially foster um, Sean. And towards the end of the series, when Sean gets that news, Mr. Turner says, pretty much offers to straight up legally adopt him, which Sean greatly appreciates, but says, we don't need to because I feel like we're already family. Oh, which is so sweet. Um, but yeah, um, Matthew Lawrence, the actor, is the real-life middle child of the famous family, the Lawrence brothers, whose oldest brother is Joey Lawrence, who, of course, was on the TV show Blossom. Whoa. Yes, for sure. He's great. And so he plays Sean's long-lost half-brother, who his character's upbringing was very wealthy. And so, of course, that makes Sean very angry because he grew up, no, we won't say poverty, but in hard, hard situation. And so he's very resentful of um, his half-brother. And the way it's like, well, how do we even know, how does the character even get introduced? When Eric, uh, Will Friedle, goes to rent an apartment uh, for college, he has a roommate. He's renting a room from Jack. And through living together, they realize, oh my gosh, you two are related. And uh, so anyway, Will Friedle's character and Joey Lawrence's character become best friends. And that's how he gets blended into the show. And again, if you have not seen From Start to Finish, Boy Meets World, I recommend. It's very good. So many people have cameos in that show, like a one arc, one episode or two, three episode arc. Uh, Do you know what actor plays, I believe he plays a bully, but I'm not sure. He plays a high school student. It is the actor Adam Scott. Really? Of Parks and Recreations. Oh, yes. We love Adam Scott. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's fantastic. (laughs) So a lot of these TGIF shows are, you'd be like, well, they're kind of similar. They're kind of the same. And then here comes down the line. Bum, 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 Dinosaurs. Yes. So Dinosaurs was a trip. Well, it was created by the Jim Henson Company. And it is puppets, it's people and giant life-size dinosaur costumes full prosthetics 
they are dinosaurs. Yes. Working class family. Um, so the dad is Earl Sinclair. The wife is Fran. The daughter is Charlene. Robbie is the son. Fran's mother lives with them. And of course they have the baby. Gotta love me. And do you know who the voice actor is uh, of the baby? The only person he trusted was his mother. Yes. And so if anyone else came near him, he would say, Not the mama! And smash the person in the head with a frying pan. But the voice actor of the baby is the same voice actor as Elmo. Oh, make sure it's it's from the Muppet universe. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Clash. Okay. Kevin Clash. Earl works for a construction and the last name Sinclair, it's funny because Sinclair is also a real life oil company and their logo is a dinosaur. So good. In real life. You know guys, I didn't realize that until two years ago. We were driving down the freeway and off from the freeway there was a gas, it said, you know, Sinclair. coming up gas station and I look and it's a gas station, says Sinclair, and their logo is a dinosaur. And I was like, my God. Um, and what I love is that the dad is wearing red flannel, mm-hmm. and he has a hard hat and an old-timey lunchbox that he brings. No pants. <laughs> I- yeah, everybody wears clothes. But no pants. It's Winnie the Pooh style. <laughs> Fran is wearing, like, American Gothic, she paisley. paisley dress, sometimes a cardigan, uh, pearl earrings, um, her hair, her, the, the scales of her hair are kind of coiffed back, um, and then Robbie, the teenage son, wears a letterman jacket. With a striped shirt. And a mohawk. My favorite episode of Dinosaurs, um, is about when... Robbie wants to get stronger yeah, and for the sports team. And he wants to essentially get yoked out. And it's, again, don't do drugs mm-hmm. episode. And he gets righted out and he turns into a crazy person. Which is fine because um, Charlene, the daughter, and Robbie, they go to high school. Yes, they do. They are dinosaurs that go to high school. They have lockers. They carry books. Charlene is a total, loves to shop, and she's got her outfits and her earrings and jewelry. Mm -hmm. She wears rings and bracelets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like real teenagers. It's like a mix between the Flintstones. And the Simpsons. Yes. Um, Because you've got the son, the daughter, and a baby. Mm -hmm. And then the husband that's working blue collar mm-hmm. and the mom stays at home mm-hmm. uh, it's great again well it was she's on... taking care of the baby and she's taking care of her elderly mother so she's busy yeah and if you have not seen that show it's only four seasons 1991 to 1994 four seasons real quick it's a great show yeah i mean i can't even imagine how expensive that oh show gosh. must have been to make yeah puppeteering and the animatronic eyeballs in the mouth that's a lot Mm -hmm. and there's a human person inside each costume oh be very hot i mean i i would imagine that set was extremely 
cold. Yes. I just imagine the crew members behind the camera wearing parkas and gloves and, and wool knit caps uh, to stay warm. But I don't know. I've never seen behind the scenes on that. I would the, watch a behind the scenes documentary. I've seen a behind the uh-huh. scenes and it is referred to at the people who worked on it refer to it as, quote, the most insane sitcom ever created. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, imagine if you got hit in the head. With a frying pan? Bonk! I mean, cheapers. Oh, boy. So, one of the final shows that was put in the mix of TGIF was, Kara, and I don't know if you'll remember this show. I personally never watched it. But it was called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. And it ran from 1998 to 2001. And it eventually, the title was shortened to Two Guys and a Girl. Do you remember this show? No. Okay, so the summary is listed as three 20-somethings share a Boston apartment and hang out and work at a pizza place. So the characters are Berg, Peter... And Sharon. Sharon is played by actress Trailer Howard. Peter is played by actor Richard Relico. And Berg is played by actor Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was 22 years old when he made this television show. Now that you have just mentioned that Ryan Reynolds was in the show, you are correct in the fact that we didn't watch this show because we were not allowed to. Or at least I was not. Uh, it was too mature for me. I was in middle school. I love Ryan Reynolds. He's one of my favorite actors. I've seen everything that he has been in. He is hilarious in everything that he does. I am a big fan. Uh, sorry, Ryan Reynolds, that I did not watch your first show, but I was too young. And then in later seasons, uh, the character Johnny is played by Nathan Fillion, who went on to star in other movies and his own television show called Castle. Oh, yes. And he also plays the ex-boyfriend in the Alicia Silverstone, Brendan Fraser movie, Blast from the Past. I remember his face from that. He gets punched in the face. Oh, well, he has a very punchable face. I guess so. (laughs) But yeah, I never really watched this show because, like you said, um, of the TGIF mix, yeah, this show was a very different vibe. Uh, The main characters, as you can see, were, uh, they're, the two guys, their characters had, were in graduate school, so they were already kind of out of college, moving on to a different phase of their life. Um, so there was no high school antics. There's no middle school antics. There's no children. There's no parents. It's like a frat fraternity lifestyle is what we're focusing on, and that was just not we couldn't, no- re- we couldn't relate to that no. at all. No. We there couldn't. was nothing about that that was relatable. It goes, oh, not for us. So the subjects that they were covering was not what we were in the headspace for at the time. 
So we just <clears throat> were not a part of that. I don't know if we went back now streaming on Hulu or another platform, if we w- went back and looked at a show, perhaps we could relate to it now. Yeah, there's a possibility. We and like pizza. I, I love pizza and I love Ryan Reynolds. So it might pay. Hey, this is pretty good. And when I was doing research for this, as you could tell, I looked up all the theme songs. Uh, Boy Meets World was an instrumental uh, theme song. In later episodes, in later seasons, they did actually write lyrics, um, but not until mm, the high school slash college years did they add lyrics. Uh, Two Guys, Girl in a Pizza Place, another instrumental there was no lyrics to the theme song. And I feel like nowadays, when you see a show that's, you know, currently filming and airing new episodes, they don't have a theme song. They will maybe have an instrumental, um, but the instrumental will be very short and they'll just throw up a title card of, you know, the name of the show and perhaps who it's created by. And it disappoints me because as you can tell, I am a person who loves a good theme song. I like it because it's just a snapshot and a nutshell of what's to come. And I I think that's really creative and enjoyable bite-size art form. I remember vividly back when the TV show Will and Grace, the original run, they had a theme song that was instrumental. They never had lyrics, but there was a longer... It was longer, and I remember like maybe the second or the third season, they cut that theme song, the music, down to maybe 10 seconds and just threw up a a shot of like a cast photo and the name, and I was shocked. I was like, wait, 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 what happened? And that's when I vividly remember that year was a turning point like pretty much all shows went that way. Like, like the most uh, iconic is probably Law and Order with the down down. It's the gavel. It's the gavel, but it, that's all it is. The the bump bump. It used to be Yeah, now they use that. Now they just use that for the closing over the credits. You know, and it's because yeah, and it's I looked it up, and they say. That that is because of the old thing of time is money. And the the time that you would have a theme song running, you could sell 30 seconds worth of commercials instead of using that time to set up the show. That's a bummer. And so if you get it on DVD, you can have the full title and theme sequence which I know there's a whole thing about Netflix where you can skip the intro. That was a big thing for binge watching is people want to skip the intro. Get right to the new episode. And that's why we don't have theme songs as much anymore. Sad. Sad. Well, what my favorite WBCW show, which is Supernatural, also referred to as My Stories. Mm Mm-hmm. They do a review at the beginning of each season and at the end of the season. And their th- running theme song is actually Wayward Son. Oh, okay. And it's 
the road thus far. Mm. And it is a montage of the brothers and their journey from start to, from where they started the season to the end. And I, I, I know that's not really a theme song, but it is a theme song, and I enjoy that. Also, you know, going way back, like to the 60s or the 50s, um, the Munsters theme song is incredible. And it was, re- well, recently, gosh, it might be 10 years ago now, I'm not sure, five years ago, uh, Fall Out Boy uh, samples the Munsters theme song for the song which is titled Uma Thurman, I believe. And I mean, that so- this, when that came on the radio, I almost pulled my car over. Because I like, you are not sampling the riff from the Munsters TV show. Which I think most people that are, you know, young, they didn't even know that that's what's And they, w- Fall Out Boy, n- no shade thrown. They went about it the right way. They paid for they it. They paid for it, all legal. And I'm sure the people who wrote that song were thrilled that um, they wanted to sample that um, for their song. And it's a great song. But, I mean, people forget how fantastic and what craftsmanship goes into a theme song because it's meant like a jingle to get in your head not let go it's a lost art form well this concludes episode 10 i think this is going to be our longest podcast as of yet so if you've made it to the end guys congratulations we don't have a prize a door prize for you um because i don't use the door to go outside anymore This has been episode 10 of Talking Into the Void. That's right. About some of our favorite TV shows. And hopefully we'll see you back here. And remember to like. And subscribe. Because this has been I'm Not Complaining. I'm Just Asking.